Hello, and welcome to Live Vedanta, a podcast where we explore simple living and high thinking. Each week, we join Vivek Gupta as he offers insights on bringing the divine into the daily. Vivekji has experienced much of what the world has to offer, whether it is attending an elite business school or traveling to almost 50 countries. However, tired with the inconsistent and incomplete peace associated with these pursuits, he decided to turn his journey within. Over the last decade, Vivekji has shared his observations on the signs of independent joy with communities across North America and beyond. In this week's episode, we resume our series on meditation in life, focusing on the clarity needed for contemplation. Looking outward is not the answer. Let's learn more. culmination of evolution can only be fulfilled by contemplation. The culmination of evolution, where one can't be higher in evolution, one can't be deeper inside of themselves. This is only possible through contemplation. This may be abstract, so I want you to visualize the longest race that you've ever run or biked, the longest drive you've ever taken. And finally, you cross that line in that race, in that journey, the rest that you feel. And it's so epic. Your legs are calm, your mind is quiet. Visualize this with living. For all the years, all the decades that we know about in this lifetime, leave alone the millions and billions of other lifetimes and years, that we can rest once and for all, that we don't have to desire peace. We can experience peace. This is the importance of contemplation and this is the purpose of our course, Meditation in Life. We completed our study of spirit enveloped in matter. And when logical insight is the subtler controls the grosser. The subtler controls the grosser in a war-like comparison. It's being on higher ground. When you're on higher ground, you can see all that's happening on the lower ground. You control that battle. Now in our study, the subtlest equipment layer that we have some control over is the intellect. This is the importance of ideals. When we have ideals in our lives, then our mind, our breath, our body, they follow suit. 
When one doesn't have ideals, the mind is all over the place, their health is all over the place. On Saturday in Raleigh, we had a beautiful program called Puja 101. And we engaged in Bhagavan Vigneshwara's Puja, the philosophy and the practice, lots of new families. And I sat with one gentleman who told me he's an atheist, but he wants his kids to be a theist, which I thought was very hypocritical and, and very indicative of how people think and how they interact with others. I want you to be like this, but I'm not going to be like this. <laughs> so he was asking me, is there a need to have God in one's life? If, if I'm a good person, I'm moral, etc. why even work so hard to bring puja and, and bhagwan into my heart? So I asked him, I'm asking all of you. By a show of hands, how many of you are atheists? And I can't see everyone. You can type your name in the chat room if you want. And everyone else, you can take photographs and judge. <laughs> how many of you are confused? Okay, so more hands for confusion, some for being atheists. Who do you love the most? You've all heard a hundred times that we love ourselves the most. It's beyond emotion. It's rational. Only when I believe in God, I come to appreciate that God is omnipresent, which means God is in my wife, my son, my parents, my sisters, my neighbor, the person I fill up gas from. God is in all of these personalities, God is these personalities. We can be great people as atheists, but we cannot be extraordinary without being a theist. You can never fully care, empathize with another being unless you believe that you are that other being, and that belief of you are that other being is Brahman. Infinitude, omnipresence. When we have this ideal that I intellectually believe in God and I want to feel God, you start to love yourself emotionally too, not just rationally, and the same with others. So it's being on higher ground. And Puja Gurudev says, the purer these equipments are, the more we can reflect the divinity that is beyond these equipments, the purer these equipments are, the more we can allow that light to shine. A very visual example is, I have my glasses. You know, if my glasses are very dirty and my eyes are light, with these dirty glasses, I can't see. You can't see my eyes. But if I clean them, I can see you and you can see me. For meditation in life, I've said many times, before we can even get to shravana or introspection, there has to be a lifetime 
of lifestyle for purification, then shravana, manana, nididhyasana become authoritative. You feel that then. Next chapter. The nature of desire. The nature of desire. Every one of us wants joy. And we say want, but the more apt word would be needs joy. Every one of us wants joy. Every one of us want, needs joy. And we're habituated to try to find that outside. Think. Everything we do is outside. Everything we do is external. Apala, a result. We're all results oriented. Even when we study Vishnu Sasranama, Hanuman Chalisa, we always give emphasis to that pala, shruti. We are habituated to try to find joy outside. And how this comes to be, I'll share this in Sanskrit first, and then in English. The first leg of extroversion starts with avidya. When I forget my nature, I forget there's an inside. And if you don't go inside, you naturally go outside because you can't not be okay with being unhappy. It's not possible. As long as you're unhappy, you cannot be okay. Avidya, then the, next, the baton is passed to vasanas. Vasanas. After vasanas is ashanas. I'll share it in English afterwards. Ashanas gets projected as vrittis, vrittis as karma, and karma as pala. And I just mentioned that. So let's go to English. Avidya is incompleteness. When I'm incomplete, I start to feel, and let me change the word from incompleteness to separate. I like that word better, separate. I feel separate, separate from divinity, separate from God. So then what do I feel like? Vasanas. Vasanas are smallness. All of a sudden, the infinite has become this pile of blueprints, of limitations, conditions. Separation expresses as smallness. Smallness expresses as sadness. The more desires one has in life, the more sad they are. Think about it. What are you desiring? You're desiring A's, B's, and C's, but why do you really desire them? For joy. But when someone is joyous or even relatively joyous, they just have less desires. There's less sadness. Separation, smallness, sadness. Sadness then expresses a shakiness in one's thoughts. The more desires you have, the more thoughts you have, right? You're always shaking. I can never sit still. Recently, someone had asked me, there's one person they know, and I know them too. We mutually know this person. 
and this person is too nice. That's how he described her, too nice. And he asked me, why is she so nice? What am I supposed to do with her? <laughs> and I explained to him, it shows how corrupt we are, that because she's nice, we think that she wants something, isn't it? True. Why can't someone just be nice? Why can't someone just be generous without wanting anything? Such people are not shaky. But when I'm always questioning your intention, it's because my mind is shaking. Shakiness, that's those vrittis, then expresses karma. And the S I'm leaving here is you feel spent. Spent means you just feel tired, exhausted, unhealthy. You just generally feel unhealthy. And that spent then finally expresses as stress. Stress that I didn't get what I want. And I'm now stuck in this place. Separate, small, sad, shaky, spent stress. And all of this is simply because I am extrovert and now I live my life trying to manipulate the pala to find that joy, but it's not possible. And Swami Chinmayana on the writes so thoughtfully here, an inquiry into peace can be conducted only by a person who has achieved some detachment from the outside world. An inquiry into peace can be conducted only by a person who has achieved some detachment from the outside world. In other words, that extroversion is cracking. There's a pause there. Swamiji also writes, and this is even more profound. I'm, all, I'm on page 25. The question is a subjective inquiry into a state of satisfaction felt within. Experienced by the individual with or without reference to the external circumstances of the visible world. In other words, joy, which is an, a subjective experience that is independent of any reference to the external world. So every time we're living by pala, karma, vritti, it's not going to work. We're not going to find joy. And this is quite simple. This is quite straightforward. There's no shlokas from Bhagavad Gita. There's no reference to the Vedanta Sutras. And that's why we need such a text to take what we intellectually know and start to layer this on what I'm going to do tomorrow. Am I still going to try to find joy, which is inside, outside? This is not going to work. The only way to be joyous is to be a yogi. A yogi is someone who's engaged in yoga from body, breath, mind, intellect, ego, to spirit, to the Atma. In Avadhuta Upanishad, there are many mantras that beautifully share 
One who is a yogi is like the sun and desires are like moisture. What does the sun do to moisture? It deletes moisture and the sun is not affected, correct? For a yogi, they are like fire and desires are like materials. Those materials do not affect that fire. And don't think of it scientifically. Think of it philosophically, okay? <laughs> and then a famous reference. The yogi is like an ocean and desires are like rivers. This is also in Bhagavad Gita where rivers keep flowing into the ocean, but nothing ever changes with the ocean. The ocean is full. I once again ask you not to think of this scientifically, but philosophically. I was teaching uh, my 24 gurus from, really it's Avaduta Gita from Bhagavatam. And as soon as I referenced that the ocean is balanced and full and, and never changes. As soon as I said that, every kid had their, had their hand up saying, that's not true at all. <laughs> the ocean keeps rising because of people like us. See, we're the first religion to be affected by global warming. Did you know that? We're the first religion. And I, you are laughing and, and we're smiling, but I mean that factually. Sanatana Dharma has such a dependency in a beautiful way on nature. When we think of the Chardam, is it the mandars you go to or is it the rivers you go to? Correct. Whether the mandar came after the river, not before the river. The Himalayas, Rameshwaram, etc. And now much of this will disappear. If you think of Belurmat in Kolkata, how long will Belurmat actually exist? Sadly. In time, Sandipani too, very sadly, even though it's on higher ground, will go away. So the yogi is an ocean. Desires are like rivers. In Avaduta Upanishad, in such an extreme way, but you think hard about this in regards to yourself. The Avaduta, the one who knows themselves is joyous, they don't even sleep or eat or bathe because that's for the body and that is extrovert. Now Vivek is not telling you to attempt any of this, but Vivek is saying, how long did you bathe for? How much do you talk about food? Do you get frustrated when people don't eat in the way that you want them to eat? <laughs> You're all smiling and nodding. You should feel sad right now. <laughs> See how we justify and glorify our behaviors and sleep. We listen to science too much that we need eight hours of sleep. For the person who doesn't have training, for the person who doesn't have purpose, of course they need eight hours. Twelve hours is not enough. But all of you, you've been studying Vedanta for a long time. Our purpose is Atman. We should be giving the body the minimum and keep on training to give less and less and less. Then we too like, will be like the Avaduta Gita. Joy is not experienced in sleep. Joy is experienced when we're awake. 
continuing. The first half of this chapter is essentially teaching us that desires are just stuff. When I say stuff, what do you think of? You think about the dishes in your sink. You think about shoes in your closet, lint. Stuff is old video games. Stuff is files. That's what desires are. Have you ever thought of desires like that? Because as soon as a desire comes, we give such reality to that desire, we can't stop without bringing that into manifestation. When it's just stuff. And you can change the word. If you don't like stuff, call it material. In the Bhagavad Gita course, that's what I described. Prakriti is really, there's outside material and there's inside material. It's just material. This is the some independence that Gurudev is talking about. Some independence means I'm not totally extrovert. Some independence means I'm observing my own desires. With that some independence, we can begin to take our sadhana to the next level, which is introspection introspection. And the word I used earlier was shravana. Without some detachment, without some vairagya, viveka is not possible. Not possible. Some vairagya is needed. You think. There's 91 cameras on right now. And there's lots of couples studying together too, which is wonderful. There may be 150 people in the class right now but there's 200 people registered. And barring anyone not being well or traveling, tonight you chose some Vairagya for some Viveka, correct? <laughs> so for some Viveka, that is learning more about contemplation. But there's others who may not have that Vairagya so the Viveka doesn't come. Introspection is shravana, where I'm going inside now. That I know outside joy is not possible. I'll read another portion of this chapter for all of you. Successful actions end in acquisition of the desired fruit the objectification of the subjective desire. Read it again. Successful actions end in the acquisition of the desired fruit. The fruit is the pala. Where did it come from? Karma. Where did it come from? Vritti. Where did it come from? Eshana. That desire. Why do I have desires? Because of vasanas. I think I'm, I'm small. And why are there vasanas there? Because of avidya. I don't know who I am. The objectif objectification of the subjective desire. The subjective desire is that I want joy independently, but what am I doing? I'm objectifying it. It will come through a promotion. It will come through a check. It will come through popularity. Introspection helps us 
to appreciate that this subjective desire can only be fulfilled subjectively, not through high living, but simple living. In the earlier chapter, Swami Chinmayananda calls us <laughs> hydra-headed, <laughs> but maybe more scientifically, it's we are a spiritual, physical entity. Spiritual, physical, or the spirit and the physical. Why do we identify with the weakest part of us? If we're the spirit, ego, intellect, mind, breath, body, or just the spirit body, or just the spirit mind body, why do we always go to that level of identification where we're weakest? It doesn't make sense. That again is because we're habituated towards that. We think we are that which is most outside. In Avaduta Gita, the Avaduta shares, people meditate because they want to be less worldly. I don't meditate because the world is not a hindrance to me. In Avaduta Upanishad, the Avaduta says, those who are distracted need to meditate. I'm not distracted, so I don't meditate. And these are really inspiring teachings. We all want to be less worldly. It's so hard for us to say no to get together. It's so hard for us to say no to buying a new pair of boots. So hard for us to not to speak. But for the Avaduta, there is no separation between parties and boots and speaking there is only the truth, which is that oneness. Those who are distracted. And when you think of distraction, our distraction is, we're distracted by more shallow parts of the world, so we miss out on deeper parts of the world, like driving. Driving is such a dangerous activity but I'm distracted by communicating with someone in an urgent way by texting them, by playing with the radio, eating something. So it's a more shallow part of the world. I'm ignoring the deeper part of the world. We're driving in this example. Studying for all of the students in our course. Now, if we internalize that more, I am distracted from who I am my nature, hence the extroversion. And contemplation or meditation is the way to control that distraction so there is a focus where I realize who I am. And making this very practical, if I don't learn how to focus in a worldly way, I will never be able to focus in a contemplative way. If you enjoyed what you heard or you want to learn more, share this episode with a friend or find us online at medium.com slash vichara gurukula. 
For those on the journey of self-development, Vichara Gurukula is a community forum that provides an opportunity to listen, reflect, and contemplate. This podcast is produced by the Young Adults of Chinmaya Mission, an international nonprofit working to transform individuals through the knowledge of Vedanta. Until next time, inspire, love, be.